Welcome back to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former UC basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the legendary Bob Huggins, my main man. And I was fortunate enough to wear the iconic Jordan brand unis during my time. All right, let me throw out our social media real quick. This is episode number 12, by the way. Um, you can hit me up on social media, Twitter and IG, at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm also on Facebook, Alex Meacham. I'm on LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. I'm on Snapchat. Now, Snapchat's a little different. Big Meach 41. And, and if you've been following these past podcasts... You know I'm not on TikTok yet. <laughs> I tell you what, with all that's going on right now in the country and the coronavirus has things shut down, I might have to get one of these TikToks, man, start dancing. Anyway, this is episode number 12. We're going to call this episode, What Could Have Been. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what's going to occur on this podcast. I'm going to talk about the Temple game. I'm going to talk about what could have been of the conference tournament, the NCAA tournament getting canceled, thoughts on the coronavirus, and I'm going to give out some postseason awards. So before I do that, um, do my little what's going on uh, part here. Uh, So I just finished up our last set of AAU tryouts, and for those that don't know, I run an AAU basketball program called Shining Star AAU. It's part of my company called Shining Star Sports, and uh, we just finished up our last set of tryouts, and just so crazy that we just finished tryouts, we were forming our teams, and then the whole coronavirus uh, pandemic starts, and really has shut down um, AAU, not only our program, but all over the country. Youth basketball is, is, is at a hold. Grassroots basketball um, is on hold. And, and that really affects a lot of the college coaches out there right now because the recruiting period occurs in uh, – there's two recruiting periods. Let me say that first. There's April and then July in which college coaches can go out and watch players and recruit and all that good stuff. So they're pretty much probably going to shut down the recruiting in all of April. Uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do moving forward, but I'm going to probably release a a podcast here mm, sometime maybe next week in which I talk about the state of AU and grassroots basketball right now. And um, it's going to impact the Bearcats, the Musketeers, the Norse, Dayton Flyers, Indiana, UK, Ohio State, Every team in the country will be impacted recruiting-wise from this coronavirus and pushing everything back. And on top of that, it's going to be interesting to see what the NCAA does regarding the seniors from this past class. So, for example, a Trey Scott, a Jaron Cumberland, Chris McNeil, uh, Javen Cumberland, what they do if those guys want to return next year because their season wasn't completed. And I, I can understand some arguments 
by a lot of people that I've seen on social media that these seniors need to be granted another opportunity. Um, I can also see the the other side uh, of people saying, ah, these these players completed 70% of their senior year, uh, so that should be enough. So it's going to be discussed. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where it's at right now or by the time this podcast is released, um, if any decision will be made on that. But that's going to affect recruiting. So let's say, for example, like Jaron Cumberland won't come back and play another year. I, I think it's very doubtful, you know, but let's say that you do have a senior that wants to come back and, and help help his stock. So let's say the NCAA says, yes, we will grant that uh, for those seniors. So he comes back for another year. Um, let's say Trey Scott does it, just hypothetically. Not to say he would, but let's say he does. Well, how does that impact your recruiting class for the next year? You only get so many scholarships per year. So how does that then affect the number of scholarships you have coming in and then also moving forward? So, you know, in, I'm going to talk about this a little bit later when I talk about my thoughts on the coronavirus and what's going on. But, you know, in some ways, this makes us stop and reflect on a lot of things that go on in life. Uh, I think we've got to reflect on ourselves and then also allow the rules and regulations that are set up, not only in basketball, the NCAA, but, but just, I mean, in a lot of ways in life and see what we can do better. All right, so um, with that being said, uh, I was just talking about some things that are going on in my life. Um, my book, uh, Walk of a Lifetime, that I wrote in uh, 2000, it came out August of 2000, it's basically... Um, it's an inspirational journey um, from, gosh, when I was young, uh, dreaming of playing basketball for the University of Cincinnati, and then it actually coming true and happening. Um, I was approached by a publisher named Simon Anderson, who was a professor at the University of Cincinnati, and he thought I had a really good story that should be told, and it should be something that's available to a lot of youth to read and inspire. Because if you think about it, like for, for people that are listening to this podcast, and if you have children, you know how it is. Your, your child watches TV and they dream of being the next Steph Curry or they watch UC basketball and they go, I want to be the next Jaron Cumberland. Uh, or they, you know, like me, you watch uh, a movie when, when you're young and you want to take on that character. So I love Karate Kid movies. I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to take karate. So um, your, your kids oftentimes have dreams and... There's a lot that goes into making that dream happen. When you're young, you don't realize all the things that have to fall in place. So there's one thing with hard work, and hard work will get you so far, but I think there's a lot of other things that need to happen for dreams to come true. And fortunate for me, uh, I had a lot of ups and downs um, early on, um, but it was part of my journey. It was part of my path. And um, fortunately enough, it led me to the, to the Bearcats and, um, you know, preparation and opportunity met up and uh, it happened. And so I put it down on paper and uh, created a book, Walk of a Lifetime, came out in August of 2000. It was the, started off, I think it was the number nine bestseller in Cincinnati when it came out. And then I think the height, it reached around like seven number seven bestseller in Cincinnati. So that was a, um, um, that was a great honor for, for me. I, I mean, it was just, I mean, playing basketball for UC was, was huge, but writing a book and having it be one of the better selling books in Cincinnati, 
was probably even bigger uh, for me because I knew at that time the impact that this book could have on on young people. So I'm uh, very proud of that, one of my biggest accomplishments. And if you're interested in picking up the book and picking up the book for your child or just for yourself if you're a Bearcat fan and a collector of memorabilia, uh, you can go to uh, the website um, shiningstarsports.org. And if you go to the uh, team shop, you'll see the book in there. It's $9.99. And if you uh, make a note that you want me to sign it, I will do that. Uh, my assistant will get it to me, and I'll get it done. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's jump on into this and, and, and talk about Bearcat basketball. There's a lot to talk about. Um, oh, let me, let me mention one thing before I forget. And a lot of people have been asking me this. What are you going to do now the season's over with the podcast? Well, I'm here to tell you the podcast is just getting started. And in some ways, this is the first season that I've done uh, this podcast, a specific Bearcat podcast. So it, it, was a, it was a little bit of a trial and error of, of when I should record podcasts, how many games should go by, just trying to get a feel for all that stuff. I think I have a pretty good idea of what I want to do for season two and moving forward. Um, and, I, and I wish, I, I, as I sit back and think, this is episode number 12, but as I sit back and think, I wish I would have gotten out more content, more podcasts during the season. Um, but, you know, schedules and just a lot of things kept me from being able to do that. But I think uh, I have some better balance uh, next season. I'll be able to do that. But during this offseason, I'm going to keep the podcast going. It's not going to stop. And actually, this might be very interesting to a lot of our listeners out there. And that is um, a lot of the interview series that I talked about, we're going to release. Um, I'm going to have former players. I've already talked to some of the Bearcat seniors about coming on the podcast. That's going to happen. Uh, definitely interview um, some different fans. You know, I was at some of the Bearcat games this year, and some of the fans had come up to me and said, hey, I listen to your podcast, and I know you want to get some fans on. I'd love to come on and talk Bearcat basketball. So uh, I'm definitely going to do that. I got their contact information. So I think we're going to do some very, very unique stuff moving forward. I also want to start doing, um, during the off season with these podcasts, uh, start doing lists. So do a um, – top five Bearcats of all time, um, you know, top five Bearcat dunker of all time, you know, things like that. Uh, I'm just kind of making that up. Not that that's going to be the exact topic, but uh, I, those are always fun for the fans. It's great debate, great conversation piece. So that's going to be something we're going to do moving forward. All right. So speaking of moving forward, we're going to jump into the content of episode 12. I'm going to talk about the Temple game first and foremost. Gosh, <laughs> going to this Temple game, and I, and I said this before, the, the one thing about this Bearcat team is that there was always adversity. Every game they went into, there was some sort of adversity, whether it was dealing with injuries, Coach Brandon's father's death. It was always something. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that you saw inconsistency with this basketball team, you know, I, I, I could probably count on my hand the number of games where we honestly can say this Bearcat team played two solid halves of basketball. It didn't happen much. And I think that has a lot to do with a lot of the adversity that occurred. And going into this Temple game, you know, my, my opinion was, 
you know, senior night, um, Jaron didn't play the game before. He was pretty banged up. And I said to myself, okay, this is the game. Jaron's going to play. We're, we're, you know, the fans are it was sold out. I think it was a wear, wear red. It's, it's going to be crazy in there. It's going to be loud. The team's going to be energized. We're going to blow Temple out. And at that time, gosh, I'm not even sure at Temple's record, um, not very good. I think they're, I mean, they might have been 14 and 16 going into the game. So not very good. I'm going to tell you what, that Temple team showed me something um, that first half. They, going into halftime, they were up 31 to 17. This basketball team scored 17 points in a half. Are you kidding me? Like, I mean, fans were like, what is going on? This is like throwback to 19, 1963. Um, it, it was, it was, it was, it was bizarre. You know, you've got Jaron playing, and, and Mr. Consistency, Trey Scott, who usually always plays at a super high level, Trey wasn't having a great game. I mean, the whole team was out of sync, and I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. And, you know, just like, just like this basketball team, they get down, and you know, in the past, they've been down 13. They've been down, you know, they, they were down 13 with 13 minutes to go, came back, um, you know, down versus the, the Houstons and the Wichita State. And, and this game was no different. And, and this game to me was even scarier because there was no energy from the team. I didn't see any signs of this team making a comeback. Um, and, 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 and I need to say this real quick. Uh, hats off to Coach Brand. I thought he, he did a, a great thing. He started uh, the walk-on, uh, senior walk-on, uh, John Cos, and, and I think when I was a senior, Huggins didn't start me on senior night. And I wanted to start senior night, I'm not gonna lie. Um, I even had my teammate, Kenyon Martin, one of the greatest players that ever put on the red and black, told Huggins, Meacham needs to start. And the thing was, we were playing Louisville my senior year, and it was such an important game. You know, we had to win that game. And I kind of understood from Huggins' standpoint, this game's so very important. I, you know, I, I can't justify starting you this game. It could come down to the wire. And so, you know, when explained like that, I, I totally get it and I totally understand. And funny, I'll tell you a funny story about that senior night. So I don't start – Louisville's tough now. Louisville's always tough, but they, they were definitely tough back then. Thinking to myself, I might not get in senior night at all. And so gets to the end of the game. We're up. We're up comfortably. And I go, okay, I'm going to get in. So I'm hyped. <clears throat> so – Coach Huggins calls my name. I go to the scores table. Not a lot of time left. I have to go back. There might have been like maybe two seconds left. At least I'm getting in for senior night, right? Here's the problem. I'm trying to score. And there's only two seconds left. So we've got a set. we got a play where, you know, I can kind of come off. I can get the ball. 
I can take, you know, one dribble pull up from three. And we've got that we're inbounding the ball from side out of bounds, right over half court near the Bearcat bench. So I check into the game. The referees kind of stop things. And the crazy thing is, at the time, it was the, the craze of wearing rubber bands had just started. So, I mean, today, you know, fast forward to 2020, you see people having rubber bands with all kind of writing on it for, for cancer research things. And um, if you remember, really, it really took off with Lance Armstrong. When Lance Armstrong had those, uh, I think they were Livestrong bands, I believe they were called. They were like yellow. Those things became like the, the biggest things in the world. Um, but prior to that, um, we all wore rubber bands, um, and that was illegal to wear in a game. Well, <laughs> being that I didn't get into a lot of games, um, I always wore rubber bands when I was on the bench. I didn't get in the game, so as usual, I'm wearing rubber bands. So when I go to check-in senior night, two seconds left, I'm like, I got to get set up in this side out-of-bounds play so I can get the ball, take one dribble, and score. Well, I get set in the position to go get the ball, take my dribble, and score, or try to score. And the referee, before the ball's inbounded, blows the whistle and says, hey, you got to take your rubber bands off. And I'm like, come on, dog. Like, it's two seconds left. Are you serious? Yep, got to take them off. I'm like, man. So I go to the scores table, whole crowd's looking at me, and I'm taking off my rubber bands. After I take off my rubber bands, I turn to walk back to where I need to be in position to kind of come off of this screen to get the ball. And the referee inbounds the ball before I'm in position. So now I'm discombobulated. I catch the ball, and I'm darn near half court, and I just heave something up. It doesn't come anywhere close to the basket. So I need to go back and find that video. If that referee's still refing and I see him out there, I'm going to have some words for him. But completely messed up my senior night experience. Damn rubber bands. But I really thought it was a nice gesture. And Mick Cronin had done this in the past, and Coach Brandon was, was following suit and, and uh, starting to walk on. And John played. I mean, he played for a couple minutes. I mean, they didn't, didn't you know start him, let the tip go up, and then take him right out. I mean, he played for – um, several sets and I, I think the gosh the score was 0-0 for a while it really wasn't much movement so John playing as many minutes as he did early didn't really affect anything one way or another it wasn't a lot of points being scored and obviously by halftime UC having 17 points it really didn't matter so anyway um, there got to a point in the second half where the Bearcats were down 10 I was getting really really concerned um but, you know, I was talking to a fan, you know, where I sit at the arena. Um, I sit next to a couple of fans that uh, they go to every single game. They're very knowledgeable. And we were just kind of sitting there talking. And we were like, you know what? This team always finds a way to come back. And we kind of were like, they're going to come back. And as positive as I was in thinking that, there were some moments where I'm like, they're going to lose on senior night to a 14-16 and 16 Temple team. This is bad. And really, you look at it, their NCAA hopes are on the line. I mean, they're still a bubble team, so they really have to win this basketball game. So they end up 
making a run. And what's so crazy about the run they made, I think for the game, the second half, they outscored Temple 47 to 32. Bearcats end up winning 64 to 63. Uh, great comeback. Uh, great win, and if if one game could be a microcosm of the entire season, that Temple game right there was that. Frustrating at times, for sure, and I know frustrating for a lot of Bearcat fans, and it's like, why can't this team put together two halves, blow out a team that's 14 and 16? I'm, I'm, and I'm with the fans, and... I know it was a tough year, and, and Coach Brandon has said this in the past. You know, he's not really had an opportunity to coach this team. He's had to manage this team, and there's a lot of reasons. And that's not meant in a negative way. It's more so a function of the situation. <clears throat> he's had to manage a lot of things, the injuries, just everything that went on this season. But if you really look at it, let me wrap this entire regular season here in a in a I was gonna say wrap it in a bow, but I don't I don't know if it was a, a pretty bow this season. But um, if you really look at it with all the adversity they faced, the ups and downs, they really battled through a lot. And you've gotta you gotta tip your hat to the job that these players did, uh, Coach Brandon did, and just even having an opportunity and a chance to be prepared for the NCAA tournament, uh, I thought was a great thing. Listen, I'm like a lot of Bearcat fans. I had a, a high, higher expectations for this basketball team than, than what we saw this year. I think we finished 20 and 10. Um, you know, I expected us to finish a little bit better than that. Uh, of course, I can list all the losses, the, the uh, Bowling Greens and South Floors. That can go on with those losses. We don't have to bring all those back up again but um, those are games that I feel like you know you win those games is a completely different um, it's a completely different season it's a completely different feel at the end of the year um, but as everybody knows um, <laughs> it really didn't matter we could have went undefeated this year and it really didn't matter based on what has transpired the last couple uh, days and week um, so let me leave that temple game and I want to jump into the conference tournament and um, I was really excited for the uh, conference tournament for a lot of reasons. I really thought that the Bearcats needed to win two games in the conference tournament in order to make the NCAA. Now, there were fans that thought after the Temple game, they were in. They were lock. Um, <clears throat> we'll never know. We, we don't know. Um, we'll never know. But personally, I felt like based on their resume, some of the bubble teams, some of the teams that were getting in, I felt more comfortable with us winning at least two more games in the conference tournament and potentially having a rematch with Houston in a championship game. I thought that would have been, been fun to watch. And listen, I, I, I absolutely love the conference tournament. There's something about it. I mean, it doesn't matter what conference we're in, uh, just conference tournaments in general. Uh, your, you know, your star players got to show up. Uh, a lot of times you start to see teams start to sink in. They know it's desperation time. And I was very, very interested to see how this team uh, reacted. Um, you know, how were they going to react? They beat Temple. Did they feel comfortable that they were going to get in the tournament and, and kind of lax in the conference tournament? Um, I'm going to... I'm going to lean to the side that I think this team 
would have made it to the championship game. Um, and whatever happened, happened. Um, I, I do feel like they would have had a tough time beating Houston in Texas. Um, I think it would have been a, a tough task. But I think at that point, if they made it there to the championship game, they're dancing. They're an NCAA tournament. We'll never know. Um, and that's – I know that's tough. That's tough for – you know, the, I know the fans were upset about it, but I mean, you got to really think about the, the players, specifically the seniors, and what, you know, they've got to go through. Like, I've never – I don't think in my lifetime I've ever – can remember an NCAA tournament where, you know, or even a, a season that the reg, after the regular season that just ended and seniors didn't get to, you know, finish up what they started or to reach their goals and at least attempt to reach their goals. And, um, you know, you just want to play. You just want to have the opportunity to win or lose. Um, and they, they just didn't get that opportunity. You know, it's, it's really – I was thinking back. I was looking at the timeline of all this, and you think about – when the conference tournaments were going on, the Ivy League was the first conference to cancel. The Ivy League said, we're not going to play our tournament. And if you go back on your timeline and you look through Twitter, everybody blasted the Ivy League. And now, looking back, Ivy League was kind of ahead of everybody. Then all these other tournaments slowly started to cancel and listen I think it was the right thing to do based on with this situation we just don't know and you want to be you want to be cautious I think it's better to to be cautious and look back and go oh it really was nothing or whatever than not be like that and just have a disaster on your hand with all these and you've got a lot of young people and you got a lot of and, and when you're in an arena of sports, you know, there's sweat. There's a lot of things going on. Obviously, in the NBA, uh, we know, I think, um, two of the Utah Jazz players were the first ones to um, come out with being positive for the coronavirus. And who knows who else has it? I mean, you hear from from all these doctors that, you know, there are there are a lot of people that that have it they just don't know they have it so I listen I think it was the right thing to do to shut down the conference tournaments um, I, I think at that time not knowing what's going on it, it was the right thing to do how can you put these young people in this situation uh, when you look at the NBA the NBA shut it down and they're like until further notice this is shut down and that was the right thing to do and I, I say this all the time. The NBA is the best league in all of sports. Um, and I think their commissioner is the best commissioner in all of sports. Um, they work so well with their athletes. I think they have the pulse of what's going on. Um, I, I just love the way they conduct business. And they shut that thing down. It was the right thing to do. And I, I think once the NBA shut it down. I said, this is a wrap. There will not be an NCAA tournament. So um, I tweeted out, I believe right, right when the conference decided not to play the conference games, the NCAA, or sorry, the NBA had 
postpone the season. I said, I tweeted out, the NCAA tournament's not happening. And, you know, some people are like, oh, no, they'll push it back. It'll be May, May Madness or whatever they were calling it. And I'm like, no, nah, this, this is not happening. This is not going down. And obviously, that's what happened. It did not go down, um, which is bizarre. I mean, it's just a bizarre time of, of knowing that there's no selection show Sunday. Um, there's no St. Patrick's Day where everybody's watching the games and partying and all that stuff. And restaurants and bars are now shut down in, uh, in Ohio. Uh, the governor just, just did that. So just a, a very odd time. But listen, I, I'm, I'm a huge NBA fan. I love my Bearcats and, and college basketball. I love high school sports. And all that stuff has been shut down, and I completely agree with it because we just don't know. I'd rather be cautious and than, than have, you know, just all this craziness, you know, people starting to get sick. And I had a doctor tell me, like, here's the deal. The deal is if we can keep the coronavirus at a lower level of, of numbers because it is there it's going to happen but keep the numbers low we can treat those with the number of hospital beds not only that we have here in Cincinnati the state of Ohio and the country the problem is if it starts to spread to such a large number there are just not enough hospital beds and you can't treat those that really need that treatment so somebody like me you know I'm 43 years old um, I work out a lot I think I'm in pretty good shape. I eat healthy. I could get the coronavirus and be over it in a week. But the thing is, do I, if I get it, I'm passing it along to somebody that might be older, somebody like my parents. So they said 60 and up. People that are 60 and up, people that have respiratory issues, people that have uh, heart issues, um, dia diabetics. It's my timer going off there telling me I need to shut up. Um, diabetics, um, those people are at risk right there of being, you know, if, if those people get the virus, that could then turn to pneumonia, and then it's a wrap. So why even risk that, you know, at this point? Like, let's, let's just be safe, and let's get life back in order. And uh, I, don't, I don't mean to sit here and, and, and preach on the podcast because we're, we're talking about Bearcat basketball. But let's, let's just be honest. Like, you know, the season was pretty much cut short. And a lot of people I know that are sports fans were upset. But, but trust me when I tell you, it was, it was the right thing to do. Um, there'll be more games. There'll be more NCAA tournament uh, drawings, brackets. Um, I know I know it's tougher. The Jaron Cumberlands, the Trey Scotts, the Javen Cumberlands, the Chris McNeils. It was their last opportunity for that, and I, I understand that. And that's that's tough for 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 young people that work that work to achieve goals. But it's also a great life lesson. I mean, that's that's kind of life. You have to adjust. You have to deal with adversity. You deal with sometimes disappointment and how you react to it. Um, and it's a great life lesson for a lot of these guys. You know, Trey Scott and Jaron Cumberland, and just taking those two for example, they're going to move on 
and um, you know eventually have you know families and and be married and they've got real life decisions they have to deal with and, and consequences so this is you know learning lessons we're all learning I think a lot because we've never faced anything like this um, and it is last thing I will say about the coronavirus though it, it, I think it's going to give us an opportunity to um, to kind of revisit a lot of things that we need to revisit but I know I saw a lot of people watching the old uh, Bearcat games on YouTube um, they were watching the uh, 1998 Great Alaska Shootout uh, game in which I was uh, part of. And actually, I'm wearing the, the Jordans that – actually, these are a uh, newer version, but um, these Jordan 14s I wore in that game. And every time I look at these Jordans, I think about that game and, and beating Duke. So a lot of people are going back and watching those old games uh, the time uh, we played Temple and, and Kenyon had one of the – um, most dominant college basketball games of all time. Um, so it's really cool to see people tweeting about that and kind of, because, you know, we are so moment-oriented. So we're so like, what's going on right now? Watching this game, talking about this player. But now for these next, I mean, gosh, I think it's going to last about two weeks in which there's not going to be anything. It's going to be... <laughs> Reading some books, you can get that walk of a lifetime. Um, <laughs> plug, plug. Uh, go on YouTube and watch watch old games. And it'd be great for these young people too to go and and go back and, and, and learn a little bit of history. You know, is you know I, I've got you know I, so we'll have about 30 AU teams this season this year, and a lot of these kids never saw me play college basketball and some of them don't care not that I was great but um, some of those games are on YouTube so some of those kids are like Man, I'm gonna go watch your game on YouTube like I thought that's kind of cool so um, sometimes these things uh, pop up in life but hey listen I want to give out a couple postseason awards um, and then we can kind of wrap up the podcast and I'll preview some things we're going to be doing moving forward I think these awards are I think they're pretty self-explanatory. I think everybody kind of would guess who these guys are, but I want to add a little bit uh, to the award, um, a description of why. Um, MVP of this year's Bearcat basketball team is Jaron Cumberland. And um, I, give, I give him the MVP, and obviously um, you could say Trey Scott was, uh, was the MVP, did a lot. Uh, for the basketball team, but I think what people don't understand is how much Jaron sacrificed this year. He was really banged up, um, and there were there were games that he just honestly probably shouldn't have played. You know, as you think about like long term health wise, and you know he has potential to go to some NBA draft camps, um, play if he's lucky enough to play overseas or play in the NBA, whatever. You know, he's going to do at the next level. You know, some of these games he could have sat out and he chose to play. And I don't think a lot of fans knew that. Um, and I, I think I can safely say now that the season's over. I went to a couple practices and Jaron just wasn't healthy enough to practice. Uh, he had his foot in an ice bath. Um, he was getting therapy. And I go to the next game. He's out there competing. And I don't think we saw the Jaron Cumberland that we've seen in the past this year. And a lot of that had to do with 
the injury. And here's what was so frustrating for Jaron. And, and there was, a, I think, there was too much made of Jaron and, and Coach Brandon and, you know, they were button heads. And I think that, and I, I can say this now, but one of the biggest problems is Jaron comes in not healthy. He missed a lot of preseason, and that's kind of your, your period where you're getting to know each other as coach and player. He misses a lot of that. And th to think about Coach Brandon's style of basketball and Jaron's injury, that didn't play well into what Coach Brandon wanted to do. I mean, there were, there's a lot of cutting. There's a lot of movement, uh, fast breaking, pushing the ball, which we didn't see – like next year, I think we're going to see a lot of that. We're going to start to see Coach Brandon's team. Like the team's going to take the identity of Coach Brandon. This year's team didn't. And a lot of it had to do with Jaron. Jaron just couldn't do those things. He was too banged up. And it's like, do you go back to, you know, what Mick Cronin did last year? And listen, um, and I don't, I don't want to make this where I bash on Mick and his offense, but um, Coach Brandon's offense, in my opinion, is one um, that I think puts our basketball team in position to be more successful come March in making that run in the tournament. And really, it just didn't fit into where Jaron was at that time and with all the injuries. And it was, it was very frustrating for him. I know in a lot of ways, Jaron was probably really upset, not, not at himself, but just internally he was upset um and you you could see that sometimes in his in his body language um but i don't think that was necessarily directed at coach brandon or anybody in particular it was just a function of the situation but with all that being said a lot of the games we won 20 games a lot of that had to do with the play of jaron cumberland i mean you talk about a guy that transformed his game to being an elite high level passer i mean this dude was was dropping dimes and you've got to give him a lot of credit. Uh, he won this team a lot of basketball games. So this year's MVP, Jaron Cumberland. Um, most improved player, I think that's very obvious, Trey Scott. Um, I said, and go back and find my tweets before the season started, that this system is really going to help out Trey Scott because Trey Scott is so athletic. Um, like Trey's not as skilled as a Gary Clark um, but he had a lot of traits of Gary Clark. Um, Trey's leadership is, you, you, can't even, you can't even measure Trey's leadership for this basketball team. Um, by far the most improved and I think most important player on the basketball team. Um, and, and his athleticism really, and once the system, once Coach Brandon's system started to evolve this season, um, not, not to the liking of Co Coach Brandon. He wanted to evolve even more, but there were just some things holding it back. But at that point, Trey, you could see Trey's game change, and he just became a double-double machine. Could you imagine if, G if Trey played under Coach Brandon's system from freshman year to now, where that kid would be? Wow. Uh, very impressive. Trey Scott is a very impressive uh, young man too. Just he's going to be he's going to be one of those Bearcats that when he comes back a couple years from now to a Bearcat game and he's sitting front row and he stands up and they introduce him, the place is going to go crazy, and um, he deserves that.
My last award is one of my favorite awards, and I think um, as you, if you're a coach, right, and you have a have a team, you you know you always want to have you know your Jordan, your Pippen, you want to have you know your, your your guys that you can get a ball to and go score and and do a lot of things. But the glue guy, the glue guy is really what takes a lot of teams from good to great. And always look. So, like I said, I'll have 30 AU teams this year. Each one of our teams, I don't coach any of them. Um, I oversee the program. But each one of our teams, I ask our coaches, who's your glue guy? Who's bringing this all together? Um, And it could be your point guard. It could be... You know, you're five. I don't, I don't care who it is. Um, the glue guy for this basketball team, I think is very obvious, is Trey Scott. Um, once again, this team won 20 games. You, you could go back and watch those games and see how many games Trey Scott single-handedly won without even scoring a bucket. And what I mean by that is, yeah, he had double-doubles. He scored points. But there were so many things he did. He lifted Jaron's head up one time when Jaron was kind of putting his head down. He'd rallied the guys. He was such an extension of Coach Brandon. And one of the things I love about Coach Brandon is, if you notice, he lets his players play. You know, people are like, why is he just – he's just got his arms folded and he's standing on the sideline. Well, a lot of times in practice, you prepare for games. And if you have your team prepared, when you get to games, you need to let them play. And you need to have that guy that's an extension of you. Trey Scott was that extension of Coach Brandon. You know, and, and listen, back when Mick Cronin was the coach, people complained a lot about Mick calling out every single play, telling Troy Copain what to run, wouldn't let Troy push the ball. There were all those complaints with that. And now you got a coach in Brandon who's letting them play, letting them go. And that allows a guy like Trey Scott to flourish. And he becomes that glue guy that's an extension of the coaching, can call plays and and say, hey, let's do this, let's do that. And um, uh, Trey Scott, obviously, this year's glue guy. So uh, that concludes this podcast. Um, This is the end of the seasons, um, the regular season season. no, obviously no conference tournament podcast, episode number 12. Um, but listen, we're going to continue. I've got some interviews set up. Uh, we're going to have plenty of content coming very soon. Once again, I'm on social media. You can check me out on Twitter and IG at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. I'm on Snapchat, Big Meach 41 and um, Stu, my producer, has yet to get me on TikTok. He's been trying. He's been telling me. But, Stu, these two weeks with nothing to do, it might be – I might have to do like a, like a family TikTok, like get mom and dad to get out. We do – see, and Stu, Stu's hyping me up. See, he's, hy- he's hyping me up. Now, Stu <laughs> – if you, if everyone could see the dance Stu just did, which I will not do, but Stu, do you have a, you don't have a TikTok? I don't. So if I get a TikTok, Stu, you need to get a TikTok. Is that, how about that? Okay. Is that a deal? That's a deal. Okay. Not that you have to post a lot of stuff, but. Uh, okay, it's a deal. Okay, deal. So 
Maybe, <laughs> but I gotta post stuff. He said. <laughs> so, so maybe uh, next podcast, I'll be shouting out my TikTok. I want to thank everybody for listening to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Go Bearcats!